You can be seated. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. Everybody who is here, wherever you've come from, we're so honored and thankful that you've come. And uh, if this is your first time, you were probably wondering where you were going. People used to tell us that this church is out in the middle of nowhere, and I would tell them, no, we're in the middle of everywhere. I'll tell you where you are. You're in an apostolic church. That means we preach and teach the apostles' doctrine which is repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is the greatest experience you can ever have. Amen. And I'm glad I've been born again the Bible way. The best news is you can be too. It's here right now. Amen. Amen. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord, and we're certainly thankful tonight to have Pastor and Sister Prince from down in Raymond, Mississippi, just a little bit west of Jackson. And uh, brother and sister Prince are no stranger to the apostolic movement. I will tell you that if you are an apostolic Pentecostal in Mississippi, you either know their family or the Wilson family. Her father, sister Prince's father, brother Travis, was the district superintendent for many, many years of the United Pentecostal Church in the state of Mississippi and uh, a family of, of well-renowned, and we're certainly thankful to have them here. And, uh, and, and Sister Prince is coming in just a, a few moments to, uh, to talk to us about something that I believe is going to change the course of families for generations. Amen. And, uh, and we're certainly excited to have her here and before she comes, I would like for her husband, the pastor of a great church in Raymond, Mississippi, to come. It is an honor to have the Prince family with us. Can you welcome Pastor Prince tonight? Praise the Lord, saints. So good to be in the house of the Lord. So good to be with you. What an incredible church family. I was greeted at the door by some of the nicest people, and I've just been so impressed by everything that's happened here tonight. So impressed by your worship and your praise to the Lord tonight. Uh, you're setting the atmosphere for great things to happen. Amen. We give honor to your great pastor and the bishop, Brother Wilson, uh, and also Brother Austin. Is that right? I got it. Good. I sat in on his class today. What an incredible group of young ministers they have here. They, you've got a lot going here, folks. You are blessed with great ministry. You're blessed with, a, I'm telling you, everything. you got the best of it. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful that my son, Marshall, uh, found you folks. I don't know how in the world he ended up out here in the middle of nowhere, everywhere. <laughs> in the middle of everywhere. But he's here and just... Uh, we have watched the progress. It's been amazing just watching him grow in God since he's been here. And I uh, thank you for welcoming him and making him a part of the church family. And uh, we're so thrilled to see the progress. And it's just, you know, God's hand is upon all of us. And uh, the Lord can just put you where he needs you to be to bring you to the next level of where you need to be in him. So thankful. Yes, we're doing the prodigal ministry. Let me just say this one thing or a little illustration about prodigals that I think may help us tonight. One thing I know is that God's always working on the prodigals. And uh, 
there's this phenomenon that happens in the fish world and uh, it happens in the salmon world there's five different types of salmon fish and they actually spawn way up the creek somewhere way up in the mountains they find their way up to and they spawn there they lay their eggs and then the little ones run down the river they run out into the ocean they actually go across the ocean to some 3,000 miles away a long journey but one unique thing about their journey is at some point in time it happens at least once a year or once every four years but on their journey something just clicks in them 3,000 miles away and they just turn around and start heading home they just mysteriously do this some scientists say that it's some kind of a magnetic drawing or something that pulls them and pulls them back and they somehow find their way back across that magnificent ocean right to the very river that they came out of now how they find the right river I'm going to tell you God knows and God put it in them to find the right place they travel back up that journey against all of the currents and the power that's coming down but they they push themselves to go back up that river. They're looking for home. They go back up that river. They, the, the currents are against them. They, they, they have obstacles along the way. There's hindrances for them getting back home. They run into falls, waterfalls, to where they have to leap way up into the air to try to get back over that waterfall to get back upstream where they came from. But they, the scientists say they will absolutely die until they make it across that waterfall. They are determined to get back home into that place where they came from. So up the stream, up the waterfalls, up the obstacles, the fishermen are trying to catch them and the bears. Bears are trying to grab them out of the waterfalls when they're leaping into the air. And, uh, and when they get into the shallows but they make that journey against all the obstacles and they get back to where they came from they get back to the shallow waters where their parents had spawned and laid the eggs and and there they were somehow or another the scientists say it must be a sense of smell or a magnetic drawing of the earth or whatever but they find that place and when they get back there they normally lay their eggs within like one or two feet of where they were born. I'm telling you, God has a way of bringing prodigals back home. It doesn't matter how far away they are. 3,000 miles on the other side of the ocean, they can make their way back home. And when, when God begins to work on them through our prayers, there is a drawing like a magnet that God is pulling them back, finding the right current, finding the right channel, the right river to flow up again against all the obstacles of the waterfalls and the bears and everything else. They find themselves back home again. I want to tell somebody in this place tonight, you have found your home. You have found your home. Woo! Give him praise and glory tonight. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Pastor Prince.
Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're certainly thankful again to have Brother Marshall's mother with us. This is Sister Bonita Prince. Bonita in Spanish means beautiful. Amen. And we're so thankful that she is with us today. And uh, she's doing something that, uh, that, that in prayer, we started talking about it, started talking about it, and uh, trying to plan a time. And in, in prayer, I felt like we, we looked at several Wednesdays, and I felt like, no, we need to do this on a Sunday night. This is, this is, this is a priority for this church. And, uh, and I am so excited and so thankful to, uh, to bring Sister Prince and this program to you. Can you put your hands together and welcome Sister Bonita Prince. seated. Your worship is amazing. When I walked in the prayer room tonight, I felt the Spirit of God, and it was so deep in there. And you don't feel that everywhere you go. But I know that this is a praying church. Um, we're in the Jackson area, so we're about three hours away. <clears throat> but thank God for technology. We can watch you online, and we do. I have enjoyed many of your services. I rejoice with you. I enjoy the music, the preaching. We've, we really enjoy your preaching, Brother Vasquez. We've, in, we've enjoyed many of your sermons. Tonight, um, I'm not the evangelistic hype type, so I will just share information, and we will pray for the Lord to move in the way that he wants to move tonight because I'm going to present to you some information about the prodigal prayer ministry. But first, I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Vasquez, Bishop and Sister Wilson, and all you precious saints of this church. Uh, we have some friends here tonight, and I'm so thankful they were able to come as well. Um, a, little, a few minutes ago, I turned to Sister Vasquez with tears in my eyes, and I said, you don't know how many years I've prayed to see what I'm seeing tonight. And that was my son, Marshall, worshiping. nature I'm an introvert I'm a little bit quiet around people until I get to know them so that tells you a little bit about what a task it is for me to be standing before an audience this size but I'm doing it because I'm passionate about this ministry it has become my passion I want you to know that there is hope for every prodigal as long as there is breath there is hope amen if anyone is breathing there's still hope for them have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, sometimes I feel too numb to pray. It's not that I don't believe you answer prayer. I do believe. But sometimes when I pray and pray and don't see change in my circumstances, I lose heart. Has anybody ever done that? You think, my God, how long? How long do I have to pray for this? Will you really answer my prayer? So maybe you have a prodigal son or a daughter, a prodigal parent even, or a grandparent, a brother or sister, maybe another family member that's away from the Lord. 
most of us in this place tonight have a prodigal in their family or a friend. Would you raise your hand if you have a prodigal? Yeah. Everybody. Yes. And they are coming home. I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. We love our prodigals and we want to see them give their hearts to God. So how can we help them? I want to share with you a few things that we can do to help them. The first thing we can do is let go of the shame. Let go of the shame, the guilt, and the blame so that you can better help your prodigal. And this was something I struggled with. Don't be ashamed of your prodigal. Don't be ashamed of the, the loved one that you're praying for. No matter what they do, no matter how they look, you still love them. Show them unconditional love. They will always be your family. They need our love and acceptance even when we don't condone their lifestyle. We can love them unconditionally. We need to find rest. Weariness can be a constant companion if you haven't learned to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Don't pick them up and take them back when you leave the prayer room. Take them to God and leave them. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Not only does he care about you, but he cares about your prodigal. He knows where they are. He knows where you are in this journey. Because you're on the journey, not by choice, but you're on the journey as well. The stress of worrying about your prodigal will drain you emotionally and physically. Worrying doesn't change the prodigal, but it will have a great impact on your mental, emotional, and physical health. It will also affect your spiritual state. It can drag you down because you question God. How could this have happened in my family? How could you let this happen? Worrying is a form of fear. And faith and trust in God cannot coexist with worry and fear. Bottom line, if we're worrying or fearful, we don't have faith and we're not trusting God. To put it plainly, worrying is looking God in the face and saying, I don't trust you. Because if we did trust God, we wouldn't be worried, would we? It's only when we give our cares to God, knowing that he will take care of us and the things that concern us, that we're able to find that rest that we need. We need to seek peace. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what are you meditating on when you think about your prodigal? Are you meditating on what they're doing, where they're going? Or are you meditating on the things that are true, lovely, just, good report? Does it fit into any of those categories? Try speaking aloud what you want God to do for your prodigal. And this works. I will tell you from experience, it works. The more you speak it, the more it will seem possible to you. And the more things seem possible, the more peace you will find. The more peace you have, the more hope you will feel. 
And the more hope you feel, the more rest you will find. So it all works together. So we must keep our hope alive. Hope means to desire with expectation of fulfillment, to expect with confidence. And we must never lose hope. We must realize that our hope is in God alone. It's not in ourselves, not in choices we make, not in treatment centers, not in doctors or anything else. Our hope is in God. And we must keep our hope alive by praying for our prodigals and speaking in faith. Ask yourself, my strangers are blank. <laughs> Do I really believe God wants to answer my prayer? And if we don't believe he wants to answer it, then we won't have faith, will we? We must believe that he wants to. When I pray, do I pray in faith? Am I seeing the invisible? Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what we think about and what we dwell on, how we pray, will either build our faith and energize us or it will destroy our faith and drain us. What do you envision for your prodigal? It's important that we get a mental picture or remember a vision that God gave us. How do you see your prodigal? And I have, God has given me what I call flash visions, where it only lasts about that long. But I've seen my prodigals worshiping God. I've seen them dancing in the spirit. Do you see your prodigal with tears streaming down their face and hands raised in worship to God? Maybe playing an instrument in a church service. How about teaching a Bible study? Teaching Sunday school? Leading youth ministry? What has God put in your heart to see in your prodigal? The list is endless. Whatever it is that you want to see, begin thanking God for that coming to pass. And I like the quote by Brother Jack Cunningham. He said, speak what you seek until you see what you say. Repeat that with me. Speak what you seek until you see what you say. And I have spoken many times in prayer over the last several years, and I saw part of that tonight. It comes to pass. It happens. We must be a beacon of light in the dark world of a prodigal. We do that by loving them and not by judging them. They've already judged themselves, and they know that they need to change. We must pray to see them through God's eyes and love them in their brokenness. When we pray for God to allow us to see people through his eyes and love them the way he loves them, it may not change them, but it will change us. It has changed me. I see people differently than I did. Hug the prodigal if they will allow you to. Sometimes they won't. Some are so hurt and broken that they don't know how to accept someone loving them as they are. The scripture tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Speak life to them. Don't criticize. Don't judge them. Don't try to straighten them out because it doesn't work. Ask me. Ask Marshall. Doesn't work, does it? <laughs> it does not work. I, in the beginning of our journey, I tried to tell him what he should do, but he didn't want to hear it, and I, it didn't work. We walked a very painful and stressful journey, 
life-changing for all of us with our son who walked away from God as a teenager. For over seven years, he was more concerned with pleasing himself, the flesh, than pleasing God. And as apostolic parents, there's nothing more important to us than the salvation of our families, right? We focused on doing our best to teach our children the ways of truth and righteousness, the importance of having that personal relationship with God that would lead to eternal life. When we have a wayward family member, the uppermost thought in our mind is, what if they die before they meet the Lord, before they're ready to meet the Lord? And that's why we pray earnestly. We cannot bear the thought of our loved one not being saved. We know that there's no hope beyond that last breath. And I want to remind you, until that last breath is drawn, there is always hope. There is nobody too far from God. When our journey started, we were totally blindsided. When our son walked away from God, I grew up in a pastor's home, and as Brother Vasquez said, my dad was the district superintendent of Mississippi United Pentecostal Church for over 20 years. My husband and I have been pastoring for 26 years, so our, our children grew up in a pastor's home. They're fourth and fifth generation apostolic on both sides of the family. We taught them about having a relationship with God. We took advantage of every teachable moment. We had long and deep conversations about what we believe and why we believe it. And we gave them scripture so they would understand the doctrines of the Bible, so they would not be easily swayed by false doctrine. To say we were unprepared for a prodigal in our family would be an understatement. It was uncharted waters for us, and we made a lot of mistakes along the way. But I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful that God brought him back anyway. Over the years, I would occasionally catch a glimmer of hope that God was working in his heart, and I would grasp that hope and hold on to it. It was my lifeline. I could sense a softening in his spirit sometimes, and every time that happened, I would thank God. Lord, I thank you for this little ray of hope that I see. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what is not yet visible, but I could sense it when he would come to the house. I could feel a difference in his spirit, just a little ray of hope. As parents of prodigals, we all struggle with the same things. We question what we did wrong, what we could have done differently, how we could have been a better parent, why we didn't see the struggles, why we didn't do the right thing to help them in the struggles. We're embarrassed over what we perceive to be our own failures that are now on display for everyone to see and critique. You feel like everyone's looking at you. Well, what did you do wrong? Why is your child not serving God? We grieve the loss of our dreams, the dreams of the reward of godly parenting and all of our children living a life totally dedicated to God. We have anxiety that comes at the thought of one of our children being lost. That child that we birthed, we cared for. We took them to conferences and camps. We tried to teach them right from wrong. And we would willingly give our lives for that child. Feelings of helplessness that come with not being able to control the behavior of another person. Can anybody relate to that? You want someone to do something so badly and you are helpless 
You can't make anybody do that. You can try to encourage them to, you try to influence them, but that's the way with everybody. We all have our own minds. We want to do what we want to do. We have hopelessness, feeling like it's already been an eternity since they walked away and seeing no move toward God and, in fact, often appearing to move further away. Recently, I was pondering the scripture, Proverbs 22 and 6, train up the child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The message says it this way, point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. Now, if we believe this scripture, then we must trust that our children will remember what we've taught them, and they will not be lost. Do we believe this scripture? Yes. We claim it in Jesus' name. If you've ever seen a, a picture of an army after a battle, you can imagine how many of our prodigals will look and how they will feel when they return. They're battle-weary, they're wounded, they're scarred, and some are near death. They won't be the same as they were when they left. In fact, they will never be the same but they can be restored and be even stronger in God than they were before. Our churches need to be hospitals with compassionate people, ready to bind up their wounds, ready to let them know they will be cared for and loved. And I believe this church is that kind of place. You're a hospital for those that are wounded, the sick. We need to assure them that they will heal and they will all be whole again. You can be whole again. No matter how far you've been away from God, it only takes one step to come back. God's right there waiting. Before we pray together for this army of prodigals, for just a moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to open your ears. Can you hear their footsteps? This army is getting closer and louder. Some of them are stumbling as they walk this way. Can you see them? Now I want you to imagine the reunion with your prodigal, one who has been battered and scarred by the world. Can you feel the embrace of your prodigal? Do you see the tears? Can you smell their fragrance? Or it might be the stench of the pig pen. Can you look past all that and forgive them, embrace them and love them in spite of any hurt you may feel or any wounds you may have suffered along the way? It's not about holding that hurt. It's about letting it go. We need to see through eyes of faith, and when we catch a glimpse of that, we need to hold on to it. Nothing has ever become a reality that was not first a thought or a vision in someone's mind. And now, before we open our eyes, I want you to ask God in this moment to show you his vision of your prodigal. And when he does, I want you to remember this moment. I want you to hold on to that. You may open your eyes now. I want to share with you just a little excerpt from a couple of testimonies about prodigals. And if they'll put the first slide up, I want to tell you about Taylor Tedley. If you know the Tedleys who pastor the 
uh, UPC Church in Wyatt. Taylor is their son. Taylor was away from God for several years. He didn't just jump off the deep end one day and didn't find himself hitting rock bottom overnight. The devil started enticing him with small things and caught him with his guard down. He ended up on a dead-end road, running from his problems just to find that he was causing more. Taylor was raised in an apostolic pastor's home and left the church when he was 16. By the time he was 23, he had started smoking weed, cigarettes, and drinking alcohol, but never knew he would go down the road that all that led him to. When he was 23, he had knee surgery and became addicted to pain medication. He didn't care what kind of pill, as long as he felt the high. But the pills started to lose the effect, and a few months later, he found himself addicted to crystal meth. That lasted for a year and a half. At some point a few years in, Hope for Prodigal's prayer warriors began praying with his parents for Taylor. In time, Taylor reached out to his parents for help, and he spent 45 days in a rehab center. While he was there, God started dealing with him. He is proof a prodigal can come home. Not long. Not long after Taylor came back to God, he met the love of his life, and they were married in October 2020. God gave them a beautiful baby boy a few months ago, and they are involved in the music program at Powell's Grove UPC in JS, Mississippi. Slide two shows us Aaron Irby. Aaron is our neighboring Pentecostal pastor's son. Somewhere along the way, he took for granted his heritage and started searching for something different. He started running from the call of God on his life. He started doing anything he could to fill the void he felt. He found himself lost, always in bars or in the streets, running wild, bound by drugs and alcohol, so deep that he lost friends. He was losing family, and most of all, he was losing himself, to the point he didn't even know who he was anymore. For nine years, he found himself in a routine of the same old thing. He almost lost his mind and his life. But he had praying parents that wouldn't give up. Aaron had a family that joined in. The Hope for Prodigals family joined in praying with them for Aaron. God touched his heart and showed him how merciful he was. His life has been completely turned around. He found something that drugs, alcohol, or tobacco could not ease. They can never go so far that our merciful God can't bring them back. In January 2020, Aaron was renewed in the Holy Ghost. Before the end of the year, Aaron married a beautiful, godly young lady, and they now have a little baby girl. And my place just lost. Okay. He is now the youth pastor at the UPC Church in Mendenhall, Mississippi. The three young men that you see in the photo on the left are all UPC pastor's sons. Pictured are Aaron Irby, Caleb Thornton, and Marshall Prince. We prayed for all three of them for several years. We knew Aaron and Marshall had been restored, and just this morning in our service, we learned that Caleb has also been restored.
all their lives are changed, and we thank God for what he's done for them. A couple of years ago, a lady contacted me, and she had heard about the prodigal bottles that we have. And she asked me to add her granddaughter's name to our prodigal bottles. She said, all of her family is away from God, and I am the only one who prays for her. I assured her that she was no longer alone in her prayers for her granddaughter. About a year later, this grandmother contacted me to let me know her granddaughter had come back to the Lord. Not long after, she married a man in the church. God is bringing our prodigals home. Prayer works. And I want to briefly mention one more prodigal. The Prayer Warriors of Hope for Prodigals prayed for for over seven years, Marshall Prince. I won't share Marshall's testimony because he will be doing that. As his mother, I prayed for him before he was ever born. We dedicated him back to God when he was just a few weeks old. We taught him right from wrong and did our best to instill in him a love for truth. When he strayed from God, we learned a lot about ourselves. We would have never chosen this journey, but we wouldn't take anything for what the journey has done in us as parents. I'll share with you a few things the journey has done. It has taught me the value of prevailing prayer. It has taught me that as I prayed for my prodigal, it opened my eyes to see the hurt in all prodigals. And my burden is now for all prodigals and not just my own. It has taught me to place the one I'm praying for in God's hands because only he can change them. It has taught me the less I say, the better the relationship will be. It has taught me to look beyond what I see and believe for what I want to see. It has taught me you can't judge a person's heart by what you see on the outside. It has given me compassion like I've never had before. I now look into the eyes of a prodigal, and many times when I see their hurt and pain, I also feel that. Many of them are addicted to various substances because they are trying to numb the pain that is inside them. I have learned to love unconditionally even when they are unlovable. When they don't want to be loved, you can still love them. Phillips, Craig, and Dean sing a song that says, He'll do whatever it takes. His grace reaches lower than your worst mistake. And his love will run farther than you can run away. He'll do whatever it takes. And he will do that. As we come to the end of my part of the service, I want us to pray together for our prodigals. You should have been given a slip of paper and a pen before the service. If you didn't receive one and you have a prodigal, you'd like for us to pray with you for them, please raise your hand and I'm sure someone can bring that to you. While you're writing the name, does someone have a pen and paper they can? While you're writing the name of your prodigal on the paper, I want you to think about them. Think about what you want to see. And in just a moment, we're going to bring the names up here to the front. We have two bottles on either side, one on either side of the pulpit, and it says prodigals on it, and you will drop your name in there. And I want people to gather around the bottles. If you can't touch the bottle, touch the person beside you or in front of you, and then we will pray together in just a moment. 
The program that we have is called Prayers for Prodigals. Twice a year, we have a 90-day prayer journey where we unite in prayer, praying for all prodigals. Your pastor and his wife and the prayer leaders here will be joining us for the spring planting season that begins this Friday, April 1st. In the fall, beginning October 1st, we have a 90-day harvest season. Each time we do this prayer journey, we have three days of united fasting on the 1st, the 45th, and the 90th days. If you have a burden for prodigals and you'd like to join us, we use the book Prayers for Prodigals by Dr. James Banks, who had two prodigals himself. These books are for sale on the table in the foyer. There's a one-page devotion and prayer starter for each of the 90 days, as well as some stories at the beginning of each week. This book will help you focus your prayers on specific things that need to happen in the life of your prodigal as well as in your life. If you'll join us now, bring your names to the front and let's place them in the bottles. I believe they'll be playing or singing some music for us. I want us to all pray together. Just come forward now. Is that okay, Brother Vosky? Okay. If you'll come forward and bring your names and just stay around the front because we're going to join together in prayer. These, the, those that are nearest the front, after everybody's put their names in, then we'll pray. These bottles will be here in your church so you can continue to add to them. As you meet people who have prodigals, they will give you their names. You can add them in there. If you go to the table in the foyer, you will see I brought the bottles from our church. And we've been using these for about five to seven years. And we have a lot of names in there. And we pray over those every Sunday at our church. Now, I don't know where your church will keep them. They may be in the prayer room, maybe in the foyer, maybe in the sanctuary. I don't know. But wherever they are, anytime you have a chance, just touch those bottles and pray. We don't know every name that's in there, but God knows. And we never take the names out. Even when they come back to God, they need our prayers because they face situations that we don't face. They've been places we've never been. So they need our continued prayers for God to keep them. Now, those that are near the bottles, would you touch them? Everybody else, let's make a point of contact. Touch the person near you. Let's pray together. Oh, God, I ask you to touch the heart of every person listening to this prayer. Remind each one how much you love them and how much you love their prodigal. You knew each of us before we were formed in our mother's womb. You care about the things that concern us, and you certainly care when it comes to the salvation of our souls. Some of our prodigals are afraid and they're wandering around lost. Others think they're living a life of pleasure, yet they will lie awake at night hoping you won't come before they turn their lives around. Many feel helpless and don't know where to start. We ask you to send someone to that person who needs direction. Allow someone to speak into their life and say exactly what they need to hear place them in situations that would turn their hearts toward you 
And Lord, we ask that you would cut off Satan's line of communication with them. Remind them of how much you love them. Be sovereign in every situation they face. Give us a burden like we've never had before. I speak peace into the lives of everyone here tonight. May we trust you, knowing that you're working all things for our good. You're working in the lives of our prodigals even now. Even when we don't see it, you're working, Lord. We know that you never stop working. We trust you, Lord, and now we place them in your hands. In Jesus' name, we pray. We lift them up to you, God. Touch their hearts, Lord, wherever they are. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. While we're stepping back, I think there's, there's still some that are trying to bring, get their papers into the bottles, and you can do so now. And uh, we're, we're, not, we're not quite finished. We're not going to keep you much longer. But uh, we've just heard some powerful testimonies about what God can do. We've heard it from, we've heard it from the mother's side. Now we're getting ready to hear it from the prodigal side. And, uh, he's a nervous wreck. He's not done this. But he's going he's gonna to tell his story. Can you welcome one of our newest brothers in the church, Brother Marshall Prince. Um, this is my first time public speaking, so forgive me if I'm a little bit nervous. Forgive me if I'm a little bit teary-eyed. I get kind of emotional about the prodigals. Uh, I want to thank this church and my pastor and his family who have become like my own family. If I were to title my testimony, I came to two titles. It would be either eight years a slave or identity crisis. I think I'm going to go with identity crisis. I was raised in an apostolic home. My father is an apostolic pastor. He's one of the most kind and compassionate men you could ever have the pleasure of meeting. As you've seen, my mother is an absolute angel. Since she became a grandparent anyway. I don't know where this woman was when I was being raised. Uh, most parents get their belt and fold it in half and whoop their children, but my mama, uh, she fold that sucker around her hand about four times and make you levitate. <laughs> Craig, you look like you're laughing from experience. First uh, John 3 and 1 says... Oh, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we may be called the sons of God. My whole life I struggled with who am I? 
I was ashamed of who I was growing up. I wasn't proud to be an apostolic Pentecostal. I wasn't proud of it. I was ashamed of it. I'd go to school, and uh, I would not tell people who my parents were. <laughs> when it come to parent-teacher conference, I hung my head low. I wasn't proud of it. I was scared about what people thought of me. And so with that being said, it led to insecurity, which is something I've never admitted to. If you'd have met me about two years ago, you'd have thought I was the most cocky, arrogant, and just downright hateful person that there lived. Um, I got notes here because Craig told me I should make notes, so. But I want to describe somebody to you, a man by the name, or rather a boy by the name of Marshall Prince, son to Britt and Benita Prince. Daddy's been a long time coming. Grandmother, I know you're watching. It's been a long time coming. I can remember nights where I was strung out on whatever in a bar room or in a crack house, and I'd feel something just pulling. I'd look over at my buddy and say, God, Mom's praying. Daddy's on his face right now. Grandmother's prophesying over me. <laughs> I, at the peak of it, at the peak of my drug and alcohol abuse, I could still feel, feel the hand of God. That's why my quote was, God's got the longest arm I've ever seen. When I was in the pit of just bitterness and hatred toward everybody. I hated everybody. I hated God, and I made sure he knew it. I told my mama she could dig a grave and fall in it for all I cared one time. Not that she did anything wrong to me. I was just bitter. I was full of hate. My grandfather died when I was 11 years old, and that was my cop-out. That wasn't the full reason why I was full of that. It was, it was a cop-out. I used that as an excuse. Uh... But beyond all that, let me tell you about what brought me home. God knew that he had to get me. This is me personally. God knew he had to get me isolated. I took a job up here in North Mississippi doing road construction. And shortly after that, I moved out here and was alone. I didn't know anybody out here. And this church took me in. But while I was kind of getting to know people here, I was working a road construction job, and I'd be out there. Some days I'd hold a stop sign. And we were working in Tate County, old back roads, no traffic. And I was just standing out there, just me and a stop sign and God. <laughs> My story's not like most. It wasn't just some horrible thing that happened to me that turned me around. I was standing out there alone, and God started talking to me. I'd never heard the voice of God in my life, and he started talking to me. 
I came to church. I was gloriously baptized, renewed with the gift of the Holy Ghost. guess the rest is history, <laughs> but allowed me to introduce myself. See, Marshall Prince is somebody that I don't even know anymore, but today my name is Marshall Prince Jesus. I tell you this in full confidence with my chin up and my chest out. I am a son to a king and not just any king, the king of kings. Mamas, don't you give up on those prodigals. Prayer works. I'm telling you, prayer works. Don't you give up on those prodigals. Nobody's too far. Nobody's done too much. Nobody's gone too far. Nobody's hopeless. It's not over till it's over, and it's not over yet. I think we ought to thank God. I think we ought to thank God, and we ought to praise him because his mercy is everlasting. Can you give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Bible said, I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary and I will bless the Lord. Yes. Amen. Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we just lift our hands and let's bless the Lord for a moment. I'm going to tell you what's happening right now. There's somebody in this place that felt like they were beyond the reach of God. They hoped that they were wrong. But deep in their heart, they didn't believe. And I'm going to tell you, you've got a testimony tonight. This is your moment. This is your night. This is your time. Can I tell somebody, it's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you came tonight. Maybe your first time at Bethlehem Church, but God brought you here for a reason because He wanted you to hear this story. And He wanted you to know that this is your night. And this is your moment. Can you help me pray all over this place? Amen. I, I want to open the altar right now. We had a couple more things planned, but I want to open the altar for somebody that you feel drawn to come pray. I don't know what your past has been like. I don't know what your life's been like. I don't know what your mistakes and failures have been. But you feel, you feel drawn to come and pray because this is your moment. This is your time. 
This is your hour. This is, this is your time. The Father is watching you walk home right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why don't you just begin to thank him for his grace and thank him for his mercy. Why don't you get your mind off of all the things that you've done and all the mistakes that you've made. Why don't you quit worrying about all the obstacles in your way and just begin to thank him for his love and his patience and his kindness. Can you do that? Just right where you are, just begin to thank him. Lord, I love you, Jesus. God, I worship you. Come on, church. Why don't we find somebody to pray with? Why don't you find somebody just to share the mercy and grace of God with? Maybe it's a church member that they're praying for a prodigal and it's on their heart. They just want somebody to help them pray. Maybe it's a guest and it's your first time here, but you're ready. You know you want another touch from heaven. Why don't you just reach over and say, help me pray right now. mercy. Thank you because it endures forever. Your mercy is bigger than any addiction. Your mercy is bigger than any sin. Your mercy is bigger than any bondage. Your mercy is bigger than any failure. God, you're rich in mercy. You've got great grace.
Lord praise tonight for the great things that he's doing, the great things that he's done. Oh, that's right. Let's thank him. What a great God we serve. Amen. If you are here tonight and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, tonight needs to be your night. While the Lord is moving on you, you need to obey what the Lord's telling you to do and be baptized in Jesus' name. We've got several ministers that would be happy to do it. We've got clothes. We've got everything you need. The only thing we can't do for you is make your decision to do it. But if you want to do it, you can do it tonight, and your sins can be washed away. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't it a great feeling, Brother Kenneth? When you get baptized in Jesus' name and those sins get washed away. Amen. If you have prodigals that you're praying for, if you've gotten, if you've gotten one of these, if you don't have one of these, you can grab one on your way out. You can read through it. It will tell you about the program. On the back, it has the plans. This starts on April the 1st, and it has the plan on the back of it. There's books in the vestibule, prayers, for prodigals, I encourage you to buy them until they're gone. If you've got one already, buy one to give to somebody. Amen. This is where, look, this is another wave of revival that God's sending to us. There's another wave of revival because when they come back, we're not going to have to convince them about a whole bunch of stuff. But they're going to bring people that they've been connected to out there. And they're going to bring them back with them. And it's going to multiply Amen. You can worship the Lord and pray. The Holy Ghost is moving. Amen. Brother Holder, good to see you. God bless you, my friend. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. You can be dismissed at your discretion. Amen. Be sure to visit the table out, out in the back. If you want to be baptized, tonight's your night in Jesus' name.